Hey there, friends and folks. Uh, this is Six coming in before the episode to talk to you a little bit about some uh, some spoiler warnings. When it comes to the Gimmick Awards, we try and make them something that anybody can listen to as as best we can. You know, we want to have the most honest conversations we can, but we also won't ever spoil things just to spoil them, right? Uh, but some categories are such that discussing them inevitably leads to spoilers. This is one of those categories. There's kind of no way around it. So leading off of that, I want to give you a couple of spoiler warnings up here about games that we are going to discover, some some major plot elements further into the game. Please be warned about spoilers for Final Fantasy XIV Endwalker, Pentiment, Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin, Toho Mistia's Izakaya, and Witch on the Holy Night. Uh, with all of these... Um, yeah, we just discuss, you know, elements that are later into the game and that are, that are you know, not obvious necessarily. They're a surprise, they are development, and uh, we don't want to take that surprise away from you. So if, if you don't want to hear spoilers for those games, please duck out now. Uh, the write-up for this category avoids spoilers if you just want to see the winners. And whatever you do, you know, take care out there. friends and folks and welcome to Scanline Media's Gimmick Awards 2022 as we talk about the media and experiences we've enjoyed over the course of 2022 and our incredibly deep thoughts on them. Just, you know, cavernous really. I'm Six Stepmar. I'm Jennifer Uncle. I'm Kyrie Page. And we're here to decide the best game character for 2022. Uh, this is a category, of course, where we have listed various characters that, that came up in games in 2022, and we're going to find one winner and probably two runners-up with the possibility of more if necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jen, can you read out our list so we can get right into it? Sure thing. For best new game character, we have Sundown Kid from Live Alive, Jack from Stranger Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. Testament from Guilty Gear Stry, Deep Cut from Splatoon 3, Shez slash Arvel from Fire Emblem Three Hopes. That's two characters, not one character, but we'll continue. You didn't play that game. You don't know what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Lifting Way from Final Fantasy XIV and Walker. The Rumorang Host from Jackbox, from Jackbox Party Pack 9. Celine from Pokemon Legends. Quentin from Potionomics. Uh, Tewi Inaba from <laughs> Tohu Mistia's Isekaya. Here we crack up over here, Kyrie. <laughs> Alice Kuanji and Lost Robin Rondo from Witch on the Holy Night. Andreas and Magdalene from Pentiment. And Iron Fist Alexander from Elden Ring. Indeed, we have ourselves a, a brace of characters here, a whole a whole k killers. I think almost every character. No, not quite. Not most of the characters here have killed someone, though. Surprisingly, the so Ruberite host one. has probably. Um, oh, of course. But that'll be probably our first cut. Um, 
I just like this host a lot. I'll post a picture of them real quick. Oh, they get pictures this time. I'll just. I just mean like I've I've played other Jackbox games and they haven't given me a picture of whoever's hosting a game before. Yeah, this is like one of the first times in which like the host of the game itself is a like not just a voice uh, in the game. Second. Naturally, of course, with the exception of Cookie Masterson from the You Don't Know Jack games, which are technically part of the Jackbox uh, cinematic universe. Did they ever give him, like, a body in that one? This is the dude on the cover. The bald guy that they have the thing on. Yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway. I'm pretty so, sure. So, um, I, I don't know the Jackbox lore, but I will say I love this host. Like, um, their whole deal is that they are the, the host of the game show Rumorang. And all the characters in the game are drawn in this, like, weird, like, Picasso-esque style, but, like, there's something to the vocal performance of the like constantly trying to start shit host of a um you know reality TV show um while just being like really impeccable and just really fun. Um again, we very rarely in these Jackbox games do you have like a character that is talking to the players themselves, but like the rumoring host is just a lot of fun. Nice. Uh, by the way, I I looked it up. Actually, no, that's not Cookie Masterson. Okay, never mind. No, like Cookie Cookie will never have a body or a face. And if anybody shows me a picture of the voice actor for Cookie Masterson, I will uh, slaughter them where they stand. Oh damn! damn it. I guess I'm dead now. <laughs> <laughs> he looks exactly like I imagine he looks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's kind of how these things go. I love Cookie. He, he's like, I love, he's one of the best hosts that they have in their rotation. Um, classic. But yeah, the, the rumoring host can go. Okay, fair enough. Uh, good, good step, however, to do some improved, like, give a little more characterization to these, these, because they are sort of the voice of their games, but even mm-hmm. then it feels like very often they're relegated to like one or two jokes that they just sort of riff on for their lifetime and so mm. more characterization for them is a good idea yeah it, it does hope like help that and again the vocal performance is really strong and also just like gameplay mechanics in that game is really fun where when a, a player is voted off uh, voted out of the house they are given an opportunity to speak um and then she'll like the host will just cut you off and be like okay that's enough moving on like the game will just move on Mm-hmm. Very funny. Uh, Kyrie, I know how you feel, but one, Testament's already won two categories, well, been runner-up in two categories, and two, honestly, there are very few fighting game characters who get enough development in their games. I think what they've done with Testament is cool, but we don't get enough of, of Testament as a as a character to really stand here, I think. I would like to push back. <laughs> Didn't expect to have this talk this early. Okay. Um, <laughs> Testament means a lot to me. And I think that you might be right in that, like, the characterization of Testament themselves is not particularly deep. But I think there is something to <clears throat> how they have recontextualized this character. How through 
the vocal performances through the like new look that they are given is like I I really like I I highly resonated with Testament from Strive like because there is something to <laughs> there's something to like a trans narrative that for once is like positive because it's like this is a character who explicitly has been given like not given but like they have achieved like something resembling happiness and contentment through that and i think that's incredible um and also again the vocal performance by like of the english dub like means a lot to me as part of that um and gosh i mean it's it's not fair to disqualify it based on the fact that it's already been a like a top three in two categories, but I think when you combine that with the fact that, like, I think if you were like best character design or something, I think there's a case to be made. But there's almost no fighting game character who gets the screen time and you know like opportunities to express themselves enough as a character to stand in this category. It just doesn't happen in the genre. Mm-hmm. Right. And maybe it's one of those things where the other characters on this list get more story. Sure. But I think like the steps they have taken to like to pick this character. I don't know. It, it, having a hard time like articulating this, but just. I think there's just something really special in the way that they have like they've done right by this character and this is like something that you do not see in a lot of like fighting games in general because <sighs> i don't know well i i guess i can't remember the entire history of our awards but i think this is the only time a fighting game character has even been nominated so i think it, it's it's an honor in that way and as i say already been top three in two other categories Okay, I guess. I don't uh, know. On that same note, I'm kind of surprised that Bridget is not here, just because, like, I feel like what they did with Bridget is... I feel like people, ever since Guilty Gear Exard, were terrified of them bringing back Bridget because they were... Like, the context of that character in previous uh, Guilty Gears was uh, not the best... And people really didn't want to see a bunch of jokes about traps and so-and-so reappear. And then Arc System Works found a way to reintroduce her in a way that just cut through all of that bullshit immediately and uh, turn her into something of an icon. And that was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I just, like... I think, like, Testament is, like, the stronger character, though. Because, I don't know, it, it, like, I feel like, like, Bridget's, like, like depiction is making up for, like, a lot of lost time. And, like, Testament's, like, reemergence is, like, a natural extension of what that character was. Where originally Testament in, like, plus R and stuff was just this miserable, like, visual K-looking person. And... Sorry, I, I genuinely have a lot of strong feelings about this character that I'm having a difficult time articulating at the moment. All right, we can we can pin them for now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I would like to because like I I don't know like my my ultimate like I guess piece on testament is like like I don't I don't need to see a big AAA video game necessarily reflect the trans experience in like a good way like I don't expect that at all like ever frankly but the fact is like with testament the way that they have chosen to like make so many choices with like how they are written how they are depicted how they are voiced and it's like it's just nice to see like that sort of truth that i find so like deep in my heart reflected for once it's just nice um i don't know i i please go ahead i know you don't mean it like in a in a dismissive way of other things but i i feel like i both understand why it's hitting you because of where it's coming from but i also think like you can there are a lot of great trans narratives in games that are told in smaller spaces. And like, you know, that's if, kind of, if they haven't connected with you, then you know, it's not, fine, it's but. not that it hasn't like connected me. And like, that's why I mean, like obviously other games like have done this for years. I'm not trying to say that uniquely like Testament's depiction in strive is like, Oh, finally I'm seeing myself reflected in media. It's more akin to like, it's just like, they fucking they just did the right thing for once and that's astonishing to me hmm. i mean they could go i guess i'm the only one who really has like strong feelings about this character but like i don't know, i don't you know i certain i you know i i'm sure you know but like neither jen nor i have any intention of like like trying to like brush aside your feelings on the matter it is a situation where i think your feelings might be disproportionate to the character they made and that's like that's how it goes sometimes right like i mean you can ask jen about i, I don't want to you know invoke any any past pain but we all of us can sit here and talk about characters in games that meant a lot to us where we read more into it or we made a bigger deal out of it than i think is like what the game is and that's not like us fucking up and that's not a flaw of us but it is also this sort of moment where sometimes something just connects at the right moment in the right way from the right angle and that is a wonderful thing but it i i almost feel like that's more of a celebration of of you know of that perfect moment right of like this is, I don't know, I only have bad metaphors, right? But, like, if you have a shot, right, you're shooting at, at a knight who's wearing a full suit of armor and you catch exactly at the right time, exactly at the right angle, and the arrow catches them and, you know, in the throat or whatever, between the gaps in their armor, it's everything put together that's amazing about that. The arrow was good, the shot was good, the angle was perfect, the timing was perfect, but any isolated element of it is not that astonishing. Do you know what I mean? I mm -hmm. guess I just think that to a certain degree, what that, like, I think the character is like, it's, it's stronger than that. Like, I think okay. it's because for the longest time, 
Dyscape wrote in like letters from like 20 years ago. It's like Testament has always been like written as X gender, but this was something in which this is like side material. This is like magazine interviews in so many other times. The narrative is relegated to here's, you know, a fucking spinoff manga. Here's like a developer letter. Here's a just a cool piece of art, right? For once, there is a game that is like, no, Testament's transition is immediate. It is like evident in that moment from just how they are designed and how the lyrics of their song go and how the moments in the story that they are present in is one about people like remarking, you have changed and like for the better in Testament talking about like, this is the natural course of things that I have found this happiness. Like, I think it is, it's the type of thing that, yeah, maybe, like, like, Arxis and Daisuke had to, like, spend, like, several decades, like, dialing it in, but they fucking finally got it. So. Well, if we're going to keep Testament, I do think we should add Bridget, actually, because I think the way they've, like, I don't, like, it is a like I I admire what they've done with Testament, and I'm not saying it's worse or better than what they did with Bridget. We can have that conversation, but mm-hmm. what we've said is like the job they had with Bridget was way harder. It wasn't a case where it's like, oh, we haven't done any representation. It's a case where the representation we have done has been run with and has become a weapon against trans people. Absolutely, and like I I, I partially didn't. Truth be told, part of the reason I didn't necessarily put her on the list initially was because I know. Bridget caused a very strong reaction in you, and yeah. But yeah, if, go ahead. If we're if we're talking about what they have done with this character, it is it's really incredible how you have this moment in Bridget's story mode where she just flat out has this moment of like like I think about that moment in the arcade mode in which she's like debating whether or not she actually wants to be a girl or a boy or some variant in between. And you have other characters around her. You have gold Lewis saying, it doesn't matter if the choice you made is wrong. You just, you make your choice and you live with it. And that's a great thing. And how she just point plank affirms. I am going to choose to be a girl. That's incredible. Yeah. And I, I think part of what's helped me turn a corner on it is, like, I saw all that stuff when it came out, and I am a, a person for whom, like, uh, this is a public podcast, but I, you know, listen, you know, live your truth. There is a very real possibility that I would have been thinking about transitioning much earlier in my life if it were not for Bridget. Yeah. That's just a fact. Um, It is a source of a lot of pain for me. And I think... For me, having Bridget come back and be trans, it's like, okay, if you're going to bring her back, obviously do that. But it almost felt like... It felt so lighthearted and kind of, like, like happy-go-lucky that it... It, uh, it felt it, dismissive. It upset me a little. Yeah. Yeah. But it's I, like, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't want her to come back and be, like, you know, this traumatized girl who's the victim of all this transphobia or anything. But it does feel like, and we're all just happy to see her and there's nothing complicated about this. And the thing that brought it back for me is actually her song, The Town Inside Me, which, like like a weed, I also just think as a song, I don't enjoy very much. But 
lyrically, The Town Inside Me is a song about struggling with your own queerness and not even what other people think, what you expect them to think. It Mm. is her fighting with her own expectations of how everyone will react to this. Yeah. Like the, like in the lyrics of the town inside me, she is referring to this idea that she has been shaped, you know, some for good and a lot for ill, that sort of thing by others opinions and perspectives on her, like, you know, narratively, originally the whole thing about her birth with her twin it was like oh this is the protector and that was like a choice that that village made and she has to kind of sit there and recognize that like people all around me have been making these choices and it has affected me on the inside and i don't know how to handle that she's still a young kid like the lyric that i think about a lot is it tastes like vegetables i don't like you know Because it's like, she's having a hard time articulating what is this distaste in her mouth, right? And then eventually, in that song, finding that, like, finding her own truth and happiness. Like, that's like, I think it it really is that combination that, like, in the same year, Arxis actually managed to make not one, but two fairly decent trans narratives in their game at the same time. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, that's astonishing. And I I do appreciate how much, like, again, Daisuke in interviews, like, I remember at one point there was, like, this whole culture war skirmish going on, right? And then in interviews using a fairly antiquated but direct word for woman for this character. It was like, no, Bridget is a woman now. This is her story. It is, like, about that moment. And also... The redesign is incredible, and just the way she is animated is really fun. Bridget, I think, is like a huge accomplishment, uh, like from this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess for me, like seeing the the character that is uh, actively figuring shit out as the game progresses and as the song progresses is more powerful to me than a character who reappears all these years later and just has their shit figured out. Well, the, if you're make, using the song comparison, Testament Song is also very much about them figuring it out. Right. Like, in, in the story mode, they talk about, like, there's a really, like, funny line in which she tells a story about a little boy who hated math and wants to get off the planet. And his parents tell him, you need to know math in order to get off the planet. And he grows up and he builds a great rocket. And his parents ask, where are you going? He says, I'm going to a planet without math. Like a weird roundabout metaphor of like Testament realizing that there are people that supported them and loved them and allowed them to be who they wanted to be. But they had to, you know, ascend beyond that and make their own choices. Mm. Like, Guilty Gear Strive, like, the big achievement that game is, is, like, it really is following through on this narrative choice of people moving on from difficult shit in their life, and it's not easy, but it's worth doing. Yeah, okay, we'll table the two of them for now, I think. Right, okay. I'll talk about some other people first. Um. Okay. <laughs> We gonna go over deep cut now? 
Well, I was just moving my cursor around because I have restless hands. Please, but sure. please pick a character that you, you know more about. <laughs> I am already having like Jed. For the love of God, pick someone else for now. Okay, sorry. Um. Hmm. Okay. Uh. I, I like both of these characters a whole lot, but uh, in a direct matchup together, there's no way that Lost Robin Rondo stands up against Alice Kwanji. Maybe not. Um, I mean, they're both very good characters. Uh, Rob, Lost Robin Rondo, or just Robin for short, is a little blue bird familiar who talks in a cockney accent and also relentlessly talks shit. Um, this is a little bird that's hopping around, talking to everyone around. Um, I don't, like, I it. <laughs> kind of the thing that I'm worried about here is that this is going to become a list about, I don't know, like it's, I don't know if it's a problem, but it, it starting to feel like a list where there's no room for characters that are just fun. Oh um, yeah. I, I guess that's a good point that that could be a problem. I don't know. We haven't talked about Jack yet, <laughs> uh, but I also, mean, Jack's not just fun though. Jack's that's the really other, good. that's the other thing. That's the other <laughs> yeah. thing. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Okay. All right. I'm going to, um, okay. Here's an easier cut. Yes. Pentamit's a great game. If you want to fight for Andreas, I'm interested. If you want to fight for Magdalene, I don't think they did the work. Okay. I'm more interested in fighting for Andreas. I think I like what they do with Magdalene. She's the player character for the for Act 3, and you see her as a little girl through Acts 1 and 2 a little. Um, but I think the writing at that point, like, the number of, like, dialogue options you get kind of goes down a little dramatically in the number of like ways that your various like interests because there's a little bit of character creation as like what your character has studied and stuff mm -hmm. um it all drops down a lot in the third act and i think she is overall a victim of the third act i'm not going to say feeling rushed but them being worried about it becoming bloated yeah yeah i i see what you mean there like uh I like how the ways you're influencing her character are not exactly direct um, when you're doing them, much like many other choices in Pentiment. But uh, yeah, Andreas is definitely the stronger character of the two. I also didn't particularly enjoy part of her character creation, which I I don't know. I mean, it just feels very loaded to play two acts as the male character. And then when you're building the attributes of the female character, you're like, okay, is she a relentless flirt or a bitch? And you're like, guys, guys, please. <laughs> I don't know that I love this. Um, So, yeah, I, I think they, they I, I certainly didn't mind playing as her, but I don't think she's she's a strong contender for top three yeah yeah you're right i have a i have one that i i i what we can cut uh pretty quick um but also pretty good uh quinn for potionomics um the quinn's like big weakness is the fact that they are a fairly you know the characters of potionomics are not the deepest and that's fine for the light breezy tone that that game is trying to achieve it works perfectly. And Quinn is basically like you meet Quinn. They are your um, uh, supplier for various ingredients to the potions. And they are just this perpetually tired, like just this perpetually tired, like witch who their shop 
is just like floating above your shop at all given times that they just kind of want to be left alone and take a nap like all the time. But there's a like fun energy to that character and also just a remarkable amount of like uh, it's like there's fun like jokes involving this character in which like in order to get an ingredient in their shop like you say you get a new ingredient from having another character forage for something right you can give it to quinn and it looks like quinn is eating any any ingredient you give them slimes rocks whatever they just eat it and then you're like okay it'll be in my shop tomorrow <laughs> like okay bud <laughs> um they're fun um but i think it is like there's a uh, simple like there's a simple fun to that character and they're just immediately very entertaining uh like most of the characters in potionomics all right um I would like to talk about Living Way from Final Fantasy XIV Endwalker. Folks, if you are listening to the podcast, you will be able to open up the show notes on your various apps. There's often like an info button or whatever, and you will see that there is a list of nominees and that Living Way's name is a hyperlink. Um, if you want to pause and watch that, because I'm not going to pipe in the audio, because that doesn't seem like a great way to experience this. But us over here, we're going to real quick check out a little bit of this video, which is uh, just living way explaining some things to our to our main characters All right. uh, queue it up and you know let me know when you're ready so uh living way is the captain of the little preets um the little so sh- are they little rabbits they are little rabbits they are the rabbits on the moon who yes. turns the moon into a spaceship mm-hmm. um so She's, you know, she's just a very excitable lady who has been at this for thousands of years, is very excited and proud of her job, uh, is happy to show everything off, and just, I think, encompasses the spirit of the Lopreets, which are probably my favorite part of the story of this expansion. Like the like like you had said in a previous category, like they are they've been trying to build this spaceship to save like existence, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will I will say, like, I, I love the vocal performance of Living Way. Like, the very assuredness of her voice is very good. Like, she is very confident in everything she is saying. Yeah. Both confidence and incredible excitement, as Six said. Like, oh, uh, finally, also- <laughs> someone I can explain this to. Oh, I forgot. I'm pausing now because this this video just keeps going. But at the moment where I paused, uh, Living Way's explaining something she's misunderstood, which is based on the size of everyone who showed up. She's assuming everyone here is a child. And she's like, well, your parents were really worried, so they must have sent you here first. And they're like, uh, we uh, we're, have a talk. We're, uh, the, the warrior of light, uh, grown-ass adult, being like, uh, this is just... <laughs> by height <laughs> and then and, yeah and then almost immediately uh she's like oh we have to make a lot of adjustments this is fine this is good i'm glad we have this feedback <laughs> <laughs> that is just like living way is just that is cute like yeah i i like how in the because like, the tone of Endwalker of what i've heard about it it is like it is about the end of the world and they have managed to take a character like this and just be like there's still some like humor and fun to be had like in that concept. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think, like, one of the things that Final Fantasy XIV always tries to do is it tries to find, like, pockets of, like, levity and, like, calm in the middle of whatever storm. And it's its effectiveness varies, right? Because it, there are times where you have the JRPG thing of, like, oh, no, the capital's burning, but I guess we should stop for coffee, right? It's or, like, or, I don't know that this, yeah. Or the entirety of, like, Waka and, like, Final Fantasy X, you know? looking at like a city burning to the ground and be like oh it's like fireworks yeah it's you know it doesn't always work but i think Mm -hmm. living way it exemplifies one of the moments where it does work partially because you're caught up in the revelation that there is actually a solution to this problem right um you didn't know the moon was a spaceship this does change things um all this said I, i i like living way a lot uh definitely my favorite new character from the expansion um I don't know that they're going to hang on this list along with several others. I'll probably cut in just a minute here. Yeah. Um, Living way is however, very cute. And as I've said before, I do genuinely want to get to that expansion because it sounds like a lot of the things in end Walker just come together. Like maybe not perfectly, but they, they manage to like get there in a lot in important ways. They, they, you know, they tie off a lot of threads, um, and they're continuing to make the game, and we'll see what happens. We'll see what <laughs> They happens. seem low on threads. Mm-hmm. Um, I, another one we can cut real quick is Tewi Inaba. Um, obviously, not necessarily a new character for anyone who knows Toho. I don't know. I mean, I know Jen knows it a little, um, right? Yeah, I... I know very little bits and pieces from friends who are into Toho, but yeah. Uh, but of course, part of Toho is that it is sort of a like a lot of different people make games, and thus very often you're getting a, a, a like in conversation with previous representations, but a new interpretation of these characters very often with different creators. Yeah, that's uh, um because like a Toho, the Toho project is one that Zune has basically said like no this is a this is a story and these characters belong to the people that make stuff like in that setting and Mm -hmm. it's like yeah you probably try to stick to what has been established in the mainline games but like it's sort of a big collective fiction and it's really cool what's also really cool is the fact that many people like no matter the project uh realize tewi is like is a is a bitch it's just like it's an annoying little fucker yeah tewi is um i believe the game calls her the bad luck rabbit um Mm -hmm. she is a um what is the best term for this gosh it's such an interesting um she is an entrapment blackmailer yep um (laughs) what she does is let me i gotta Unfortunately, I am having a little difficulty getting this screenshot to y'all, which I want to have ready. Okay, this this will work. She comes to your shop, and um, it is possible to make her happy, but she is one of the customers who orders omakase, right? Which means, you know, like, you know, chef's recommendations. Mm -hmm. I'll give you some hints as to what my, my taste is like, but you have to, you know, figure out something to make me happy. And... You have levels of reaction, right? People will, like, they'll like something, they'll think it's great, they'll think it's wonderful, or they won't like it, right? Those are the different ways it can go. Mm -hmm. Um, And usually, like, you kind of, 
there are a few characters where it's like before you know them, they have harsh taste and you can piss them off. But usually it's like, ah, it's just how many how many times do they order the next course or do they just say, oh, I'm good with one thing and leave because mm. they didn't do a great job. Right. Um, Tewi shows up and first of all, her likes and dislikes don't get recorded. Um, everyone else, you're building a little a little like profile in your menu, mm-hmm. not for her. Also, her hints, like, you'll have a character come in and say, I just really love Japanese food. And the hint is, find a food with a Japanese tag, right? Um, and then Tabi will come in and she'll say, you better make me happy. And you're like, I don't know what the fuck that means, Tabi. I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> yeah. If you don't make her happy, she will, she will like, much like the uh, little girl in Restier, um, it will, like, if you cannot make them happy, your combo or whatever just gets absolutely shattered. Yeah, she, so, so what she does is she walks up and she says, if, if you make her perfectly happy, if you, if you nail it completely every time for, like, multiple courses, which I have done once ever, and I keep a Google Doc of what makes people happy. I have the information. It's just not enough for her. Um, she walks up and she says, hi, I hope you're having a good day. I was wondering if I could introduce you in some ingredients. And she pops up this menu um, where she offers you three different things. Um, we'll talk about the third one here because that's a rare drop. Um, she is offering you different ingredients at exorbitantly marked up prices. Um here she is offering you like four puffer fish for 504 yen. That's disgusting. And that's a that's really cheap for her. Um I have had times where it's like you can give me a thousand or more yen or you can go fuck yourself. And if you don't, she breaks your combo and and fucks things up. Um there's also as as I mentioned, this is the screenshot I took when I got the rare drop of uh another bunny girl who's in debt to her who she's selling human trafficking. <laughs> Raisin Inaba is her name, by the way. Um, Just, uh, yeah, she's also for sale here. <laughs> for like, how much is she selling Raisin for? Hold on. I believe it's 530,000 yen. Um, that's not an unattainable number. You can do it. And if you do, she is, you have assistance, right? And at mm-hmm. the end of the night, you pay them 5% of your income. Except for her, you own her. You don't have to pay her anything. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Uh. Um, Toho is so, the land of contrasts. Uh, <laughs> um, she's just a little monster that, like, literally, the, the way you fend her off is you go donate money to a priest to bless your stand to keep her from being able to physically enter through a magic barrier. It's, <laughs> it's very funny. It's a bit, um, It's also a funny contextualization of that type of character because, you know, I mentioned the little girl in Restier, like, you know, from that game, like, years ago, where she would show up and you just had no say in the matter. It's like, she shows up if you don't, like deeply discount whatever item she wants to buy or whatever she gets a mad and leaves and there goes your combo here at the very least there are things that you can do and even if there isn't much you can do it is still a particularly funny interaction that this like little like funny rabbit is trying to sell another rabbit from the moon yeah um she is she is character wise definitely i i think the most interesting and fun character in that game there's some good characterization all around however in general 
not a super character focused, like not, not, not a lot of deep character exploration going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think not going to hold up in our top three. So. Right. We can probably cut Lost Robin Rondo, I guess. Um, despite me saying, like, I'm worried what this list will become, it is what the list is going to become, so it's, right. fine. it's fine. Robin's really funny and really charming and does a great job of bringing light to parts of the game that are more grim and dark because it's Yasu and you better... Or Nasu, excuse me. Yasu's the fucking Gundam crimes man. Um, <laughs> and you better believe that he he puts some dark parts in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also funny because, like, you don't get the reveal of his voice until a little bit later, where you've just seen him talking with Alice a bunch of times, and uh, basically after having a conversation with uh, one of his classmates about uh, the tragedy of a bird that might be on its own, uh, Sergio comes home and immediately starts getting pecked by Robin, who starts... (laughs) Who chooses that moment to start talking and saying things like, you're having a bird bath of me, mate. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really funny because until then, like, you've seen Robin interact, but because of the way the perspective has worked, you've just got vagaries like, like the Robin protested. And Alice is like, no, I think we'll let him live a little longer. And you're like, oh, this sinister bird. <laughs> it's like, and it's like, you taking the piss, Gov. I'm a peck your eyes out. And you're like, okay, great. <laughs> great. Uh, in that spirit, I guess we might we should probably cut deep cut. It's also three characters, not one. I know, yeah. but like it does make it kind of hard to quantify in this category. Yeah, I mean, typically, like the reason I bring up like deep cut as a trio is just that they are fun as a trio, and I think individually, I still think like Shiver Fry and like Big Man are all entertaining in their own ways. But you know the the fun is in how they play off each other and bounce off each other and they're not particularly deep, but they are like really striking and appealingly designed. Um, there is a lot and maybe a lot of the care, like a lot of the characterization and love that I have for deep cut also comes from like, you know, what, what fan interpretations of these characters. That being said, people would not have such strong like interpretations of these characters if they themselves weren't, you know, strikingly designed and well-written. Like, Shiver being, like, a Rakugo performer, you know, contrasted with a belly dancer in a massive manta ray who who hangs out behind a TV during the broadcast. Like, it's just a really fun dynamic between the three of them. And what, you know, their purpose in the story, like, their antagonists, like, in the uh, main story of uh, Splatoon 3, like... They serve as the boss battles leading to, like, the big finale. And that's, like, kind of cool. Um, But I think a lot of it has to do with, like, they're not particularly deep characters, and that's fine. Like, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily expecting tons of deep characterization from them, but they're the type of characters that, when they do show up, I'm just happy that they're here, and the way they are written is just great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're fun. Agreed. I like it when Big uh, Man goes A, which is all the time. Which is all the time. That's all. Like I, I do love the little like bit in the uh, writing where, like, that's all he says, and then in parentheses, what he's actually saying. 
Mm-hmm. Like, because it's clear that the other two members of Deep Cut can understand what he's saying. I think one of the success, successes of uh, uh, Live Alive is that the characters are, like, intentional embodiments of anime tropes. And mm-hmm. they are fun explorations of those tropes, but they aren't attempting to be very particularly subversive or deep. Uh, I love Akio Otsuka. I love the Sundown Kid. I don't think he really fits on what the list is becoming. He's a he's a he's a cool cowboy though. It's he's pretty. a very cool cowboy, and you know what? He's he he's living as an outlaw, but he never did this, he never did anything wrong. And that's not like you know like so and so did not. It's like genuinely he's just he's just framed and he's not even trying to fight the framing he's like ah that's how it goes sometimes in the old akio utsuka way Mm -hmm. Um, uh shez and arval um are fun characters from a series with characters that are about as deep as a puddle Uh, I like the like again. I like their design. Like like a lot. Some of these I like their design. I like the way they are written in the story as like a sort of. It, it's interesting how they went about of like the antithesis of Byleth in just like the way like just the way they talk and it's like it's it's kind of cool. Um, but they're not particularly deep. <laughs> like that's like the Fire Emblem problem with like maybe a handful of exceptions throughout the entirety of that like series as a whole um Mm -hmm. like granted some of my favorite like you know i like the three houses characters um i think some the some of the three houses characters are deeper than you know others in the fire emblem like franchise as a whole but sure also i already played three houses um Mm -hmm. But hey, Three Houses is a pretty good game. <laughs> so yeah. Three Hopes is alright too. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know that any of us here are gonna fight for Iron Fist Alexander. Um uh, Go ahead. He's a he's a big pot man. <laughs> he's a big friendly pot man. Um He's, 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 you know, he's, he's always, he's always ready for a good fight. Um, he has the weird, creepy element of how pop people live by scooping in the dismembered body parts of other fallen warriors and just being like, Oh, some, a good harvest today. And you're like, mm, okay. <laughs> it really fit, fits into like the thing that I generally appreciate. Like I haven't played a ton of like the from soft action game as it were. But um, I do appreciate how even it, like, Elden Ring is not a particularly, like, dark game. It has dark elements, certainly. But I do appreciate how in these, like, from soft action games, like, they still find, as we mentioned with other characters, moments of levity and, like, goofiness. And because those games are inherently very goofy. Um, And it seems like Iron Fist Alexander fits into that. Yeah. like I I think Elden Ring's pretty dark. Yeah, it it has a lot of really ugly things in the backstory that uh, fit very well for world design by George R. R. Martin, creator of Game of Thrones. The world, the world is dying. The gods don't care or are too incompetent and obsessed with their own like 
their own egos. Uh, the, everyone is being devoured by a really horrible plague, and the only possibility we have of breaking the cycle is burning everything with the literal flame of insanity. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's rough. It's a little rough. <laughs> Every once in a while, though, you'll run into a situation where you um, enter a room in a certain way, and suddenly this woman you saw earlier is a big snake, and she's like, ah, you found my real appearance. Oh, this is a little awkward. <laughs> Yeah, it isn't obsessed with darkness, but it is not It is not a pleasant place to... You don't want to live in the... If those, like, what video game world would you live in for... Te- don't pick this one. <laughs> I would pick the Pokemon world. That seems like a nice place to be. They have free health It would be kind of depressing. There'd, there'd just be, like, you'd constantly be about your job and you'd make eye contact with a random 10-year-old and be like, well, I illegally have to fight you now, and then they'd kick your ass and take your wallet. <laughs> Also, at a certain point, everyone talking about Pokemon all the time would probably just get to you, <laughs> turn you into gigantic grump. That's <laughs> probably true. Probably true. <laughs> that transitions nicely to, I think, uh, she can go, but I really like Silene from Pokemon Legends Arceus. Uh, she is basically your, um, she's basically, like, I think the head of the uh, scouting, the survey corps, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, she is, like, she is your boss. Um, she is the one who like evaluates your Pokedex and basically very, you know, solemnly nods and says good work. And then, you know, she is always like having this expression of very stern focus, but she's not like a mean character. Like, I, I think there is something to be said about a character in this type of game that is like, focused and determined and very like stern but they're not mean they're just straightforward like she just like gives you your mission but also like during the ending of the game like she is critical to like giving you the tools to be able to like beat the like big problem that's happening at the end of that game and she shows that like like she shows this like confidence and kindness like in the player character that i think is like touching um Mm -hmm. i think like just an overall like with the reuse of many of the characters in this game and the recontextualization of that character like i think they've done a pretty good job with silene um and again just you know there's there's a lot of like clever writing moments in that game like like i said the, the the abra in her office shows up in the camp that you set up to like do the final part of the game because that is her like tr- like trusting you to solve the problem. It's like I'm giving you this tool to solve the problem because I have the confidence that you can. Mm-hmm. It was always the case that like going to see Silene for orders, it was like, all right, let's see what's next. And then when it was like, oh, this time you got to go talk to uh, Commander Kamado, I always roll my eyes like I got to go see the big stupid man who's in charge because he's a man. All right. <laughs> but uh silent can go just like it was just like she's a a she is part of the beating heart of that game Mm -hmm. um how many how many do we have left we have uh five okay in in the like interest of moving things along i am okay with testament being cut if we can keep bridget like around 
I mean, I can't guarantee she'll make it to the top three. I can't guarantee that because sure. I. Sure. Um, well, hmm. Okay. Well, who who do we have left? Well, for the folks at home, who do we have left? I mean, we have three we haven't really discussed. We have name-checked Andreas, Alice, and Jack, but haven't actually discussed any of them. Uh, Jack is a character who, uh, yeah, you've, you know, if you haven't played the game, you've seen, you've probably seen the trailers. If you're listening to us, I bet you've probably seen some of the trailers. You seem like you're invested in the scene. Um, mm-hmm. And Jack comes across as just like, an angry middle-aged dude who has no sense of fashion. And that's kind of all true. However, (laughs) however, (laughs) uh, Jack is a really like, if you look at the broad picture, it's like, here is a JRPG protagonist with amnesia who goes on a quest, makes, friends and like seems not to care about them but deep down he does and then you know he makes the heroic sacrifice choice to save the world that all sounds you know just like okay great which which you know gamecube era tales game are we talking about now right um yeah you're allowed to get mad tales fans your story is not as good as you think um but execution wise and and what they do with this character i think it's really down to having like it's bizarre to think that these are writers behind like kingdom hearts because the dialogue couldn't be further afield this is how people talk to each other to a degree that you won't you'll be like wait i don't think i've ever seen characters in a jrpg talk to each other like humans before i didn't realize it till now but i don't think i've seen it before yeah, there, uh, there's little moments where Jack will y- yell at one of the party members and immediately correct himself, like being like, "I'm sorry, I, I have a problem. <laughs> I recognize that." <laughs> and like, it's presented like it's he's he like he's it's not just like an undertone. He will he says it point blank at a certain point where he's like, "Yes, I am going on this quest because I don't want to think about my situation." Congratulations for psychoanalyzing me. Can we keep fucking going? Um, I just think it's a really incredible portrayal of this character who ultimately I think is a pretty, like, they managed to take a character who until he released really seemed like the modern icon of the toxic masculinity and make him a really sympathetic and heroic character who has like genuinely has anger issues knows this and is trying to do better. Yeah. The way I put it to Kyrie earlier is that like, he is such an embodiment of both. Like he managed to be, he manages to be both a sympathetic character and someone who is incredibly memeable in sort of a jokey way. Like the whole, that all those uh, times when the final fantasy Twitter account was just listing out various classes throughout the series and just kept putting in a picture of Jack because he can be all of those. Um, it It's basically what Sony thought they had with Morbius, but absolutely did not have. Which is... <laughs> <laughs> now, you're, now you're tugging at Takiria's heartstrings. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's the the DLC they put out earlier this year. They've had an ongoing season pass. Uh, ends with a boss fight against um, the like Emperor of Darkness from Final Fantasy II. 
Um, and he comes on screen and he's this, you know, elaborate, you know, like Amano plus Nomura looking design. And he gives this ridiculous speech about world conquest. And Jack says, I, and I know it word for word. I knew you'd start spouting bullshit the moment I saw you. You've got the look. <laughs> Great character. Mm. Um, Alice Kuanji, um, on the other hand, is very much Kinoko Nasu's writing at its best, I think. This is what it looks like when he's doing his best writing. Um, she is a... Uh, I think I've, I've mentioned her a bit on, on previous categories. I think on best moment, it had to come up a little bit. Mm-hmm. She is half Japanese, half British sheltered mage girl who does fairy tales and is pretty ruthless. Um, and I think they do a very, I think it's honestly a very like visual novel thing with her where her arc is mostly about her learning to appreciate the little things in life because she's been focused on this, you know, kill or be killed mage world. But her characterization is just incredibly charming. They, The artists do a great job of just giving her a really expressive face, despite the fact that most of the time she is just making, like, a blank face emoji. Um, they give they make good use of, like, changing art style to convey that she's, like, you know, in a gremlin mood or whatever. You see her, like, be, like, petulant, where, like, there's a point where the main character, the male lead character... Uh, cooks dinner for him and her and it's bad right it's like college like what's left in the pantry udon um and he's woofing it down and she's like i like she won't say it out loud but she's like i don't know if i can eat this and so he finishes like oh can i have yours and she looks up and she's like no it's mine (laughs) she doesn't even want it but it's like the fact that it's hers means she's unwilling to give it up um and then also, of course, they have some some good, like, more serious and dramatic beats with her, too. She's just a really good character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She is able to be both, like, a menacing threat that uh, Alko multiple times to this main character tells, okay, you really got to figure out how to do this, but also good luck because I think you're just going to piss her off and make her kill you. And also just a situation where... She is somewhat won over by the fact that he just keeps coming out to sit with him. I to sit with her as she sleeps, just to drink tea and hopefully start up the conversation. And he also just like it has so many little good incidental details about her character that like ultimately don't mean much, but just finding them out is kind of delightful. Like there's a bit where when Alco first moved in with Alice. Alko was like, okay, she likes tea. I'm going to buy a bunch of water bottles and bring them up here. And Alice acts like, how dare you? Like, the tap water in Japan is the finest tap water around. You do not know its qualities. How dare you waste this <laughs> gift? Uh, yeah. And so our last character to talk about is Andreas, who, again, we went into a bit with Best Moment, but um, Andreas is a aspiring and then, uh, after the time time jump, time skip, uh, accomplished uh, artist who y- you have a fair few options around how you, like, what kind of experiences and interests he has, but in general, he is a person who is 
like interested in and able to get along pretty well with like, you know, peasants and common folk, but fundamentally is up his own ass and like clueless and sort of thoughtlessly rude, I think. Um, uh, he is interested in the pursuit of his craft and improving his work. Um, but he is not a character without a conscience. And one of the things they do really effectively is there are like, whenever you do actions, it takes time and it cuts to this very, you know, medieval style. Like, okay, this is, you know, like the, the, the hours of hours of like waking. These are the hours of working. These are the hours of lunch. These are the hours of evening work, etc. Um, and occasionally at night, um, you like, he sort of just falls into his dreams where it is just sort of him judging himself, um, but not like on trial, just sort of like various aspects of himself manifested and like discussing like possibilities, which changes after the time skip where it turns into him just berating himself for all the things he's fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like there's uh he has conversations in his head with his wife who... Um, sounds like they're not on the best of terms just because he is finding, he's constantly finding excuses to be away. And also he is visited by his dead child who just never speaks to him no matter what he says. Just constantly there for him to just bounce his own guilt about the fact that his child is dead off himself. Uh, and then the events of Act 2 to Act 3 happen. Where he burns to death, right? He doesn't burn to death. Um, he barely survives and gets someone else killed in the process. And he feels so guilty that he spends a couple of years living in a cellar of the burned out building and going crazy. Um, and it is presented like you can easily see the like and he goes crazy being really bad, right? Mm-hmm. And the way it is, is basically just that he spends, like, you he already see he has this penchant to go into his own head and, like, talk to his own, like, memories and interpretations of the people he knows or knew. And he has almost done this exclusively for years, and now he is having trouble telling when he's talking to a real person. Yeah. It's really effective, I think. Yeah, and in the process of, like helping Magdalene find the real killer and like coming to a sort of closure. The bit that kind of made me start tearing up and crying a little bit is that's the moment when his dead child finally starts talking to him and responding to him, telling him it's okay. It's and it, it like, there's no way to, to describe this to not make it sound like the cheesiest shit in the world. I can't see Kyrie's face. If you're not frowning at the description of this, I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> but it's really good. I also teared up, and that doesn't happen to me very often. Um, Because ultimately what his, you know, his son has to say to him, I mean, first of all, he's like, he's like, it's really okay. And his son's like, I don't know, I'm just your memory of this guy, right? Like, I'm not mm-hmm. the real thing. And he says like, but... You've been beating yourself up about this for like a decade, and it seems like it's stopping you from helping other people. So knock it off. Um, and I think that's a a, a pretty powerful message. Um, to me, from our conversations, I think our top three should be Andreas, Alice, and Testament. 
What do we think about that? I I would agree with that. Like I So you said like like Alice like sounds like So basically um sorry. So you're saying Alice um Andreas and Testament? Yes. Yeah, I yeah. think that works because like Testament is like it is really difficult to describe how well that character resonated with me in 2022 but also it sounds like like it did sound like cheesy shit with like pentiment but these are also the guys that wrote like like i know the writing pedigree that like obsidian has it's like it sounds like they absolutely nailed that like to me it seems like like that top three i think works and you know Jack is a great character, but I think it's more, it was probably one of those things where it's like, Jack is surprisingly great, like, in the context of its own game and, like, expectations beforehand. And I think a lot of what he is is a testament to the writing style of that game and the tone of that game, right? Um, I feel comfortable lazing some of the praise we have there on the game itself and not exclusively on Jack as a character in it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, like when you get down into it, Stranger of Paradise is like its story is up there with some of the better Final Fantasy stories. And it it seems like like the effectiveness and resonance of that is because it is in such deep conversation with like almost the pedigree of Final Fantasy in it of itself. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think the reason we're cutting Bridget is is kind of just a fact of of passion here, right? Yeah. Where... Like I, I like Bridget a lot, and I'm glad that like there are a lot of people that like really love that character and for good reasons. She's great. Like what they have done with her is, I in a <laughs> when I was writing an article about this, I never published. It was like Bridget is um Arx is finally planting the tree they should have planted twenty years ago. Um, and that's like just nice to see. Um, but I think when I heard Testament speak for the first time in English, it was transcendent, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, they actually did it. Like they actually committed to this in a way that is not mocking, that is not like, you know, trying to sell the character short it's like no this is just a fact of who they are and how they live and that's beautiful um Mm -hmm. it's kind of an extension of what they were doing when they went back to ramlethal for strive and Wentz. we really need to recast this character (laughs) yeah it's like they are but testament like is like they're not trying to correct a mistake they're just trying to make evident the thing that was there 20 years ago Mm mm-hmm and really following through on that. Um, but it sounds like of the three, Andreas is like the winner. I um, could see Alice, but Andreas is probably the wiser choice. Because it sounds like... like I think it is... <laughs> it's quite something that, like, like, the way that you two talk about Andreas, and, like, the fact that he's only there for, like, two-thirds of the game. Well, I mean, you know, he's not playable. But you know what I mean. Like how they pay off this character and actually like explore his depths is like, 
they got they got some damn good writers at that team. Yeah. You know? I, and I like especially with the way that it all ends with him deciding to stay in Tassing and like it basically ends with him um alongside the rebuilt windmill um drawing sketches with the local children and then you just see the windmill blade pass by and suddenly they've disappeared from the scene as time has marched forward mm. it's just a really good demonstration of like andres andres is definitely a fuck up in so many ways but it's a situation where it's him basically the end of that game is him realizing that he still has a reason to move forward and like be a part of this community and do something and i found that pretty beautiful i think andreas is uh like uh, i don't know of a celebration but like a loving tribute to the fact that a lot of us are fuck-ups trying to do the right thing <laughs> yeah uh andreas is a fuck-up trying to do the right thing and it leads him to some some decisions that often are clearly wrong but never but always feel like well of course that's what this guy would do right right and of course he thinks he's helping mm -hmm. yeah so. yeah that like on it like from the way that you two have like talked about this game it is absolutely like it, i need to play this because like it from what you have described in the moments that are in this game in the way that they characterize like so many moments in that game like that it sounds like an absolute like achievement yeah and so i'm happy to announce that our game of the year is pentiment with <laughs> no, whatever no. i want to pick <laughs> <laughs> not how this works but for best new game character okay fine our our, our best game character is andreas Mahler with runners-up alice kuanji and testament i didn't list the games they're from you should know it by now but I also should have listed them. I fucked up a little bit. It's, it's fine. fine. Well, we would just move on. We 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 all yeah. fucked up, and we just all kind of like moving on. <laughs> I'm gonna go into my head and apologize to my dead kid for fucking up the game they were in. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you really can't trust a gentle tiger. <laughs> uh, that's it for this category. There's only one left, folks. Mm-hmm. Game of the year. It's the big one. Final countdown. Sure. That's a different. That's a song. That's a song. That's. A song. I understand it. You, Jen, you get confused so easily. That's a song. <laughs> so <Sophia. Yeah>. uh, <laughs> <laughs> This is our new. This is our new. We're pivoting to absurd. Uh, like jabbing it at Jen, so that you know can't possibly feel sincere because we <laughs> feel bad about the sincere jabbing. <laughs> Listen, uh, we have fucked up in the past, but we move on. <laughs> we move on. We move on. And uh, we're moving on from this category. Peace out, everybody. See ya. Later. Later.